What you focus on, you get more of. Focus is magnifying. So what you magnify, you get more of. We've been talking in the last several weeks about how you and I, as Christ followers, can be at calm in a culture of chaos. I don't have to show you images on the screen today about the different chaotic moments that are happening in our culture. The question is, what are you focusing on? Focusing on the chaos, all the things that you see on the news that seem so wrong to you, or focusing on the peace, the calm that we have in our relationship with Christ. Every year I go and see the eye doctor. My least favorite thing when I go for my annual appointment is when they ask me to tip my head back so they can dilute or dilate my eyes. For the next several hours, I've lost my focus. I go back to the office and I try to read and I can't see the words just right. My focus has been impaired. Now, I understand they're doing the dilation so they can look into my eyes and examine my eyes, particularly see if there's any cataracts that have begun to form. And some of you have had some type of cataract surgery to remove it so that you can see clearly because there's great value in our focus. I, I know this from my own personal experience, but I also know this as a follower of Jesus. Jesus' own words in Matthew chapter 6, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy or how you see it, what you're focusing on, what you're magnifying, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. See, how you see it, how you focus on it, is how you experience it. Your experience, my experience in life, the correlation is how you and I are focusing on it. And I'm convinced there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way than just seeing all the negativity and the chaos and somehow thinking that's just how we're going to experience life. The good news this morning is there is a better way, and his name is Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says this, focusing on Jesus, focusing on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. In other words, the chaos of the culture, the chaos of the cross, what was unjust, God, innocent, paying the penalty for our sins on the cross. But he is at calm. If you got your Bible, join me, Daniel chapter 2, this morning in this study about you and I being at calm. There's so many Applicable moments, a book that's 3,000 years old is as relevant in 2022. Notice what it says in verse number one, Daniel chapter two, verse one. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such a disturbing dream that he couldn't 
sleep. In other words, the chaos is now getting in the king. The king who's caused all the chaos, remember, he invaded Israel. He stole all of the wealth of Israel. He crushed them. He took the children, human trafficking, took the children out of their country, away from their families. Daniel and his three Hebrew boys are castrated. Life is not good for Daniel. And this king now finds himself losing focus to the point that he can't sleep. You and I might come to the conclusion, well, good riddance. Look at all the pain. Look at all the things you've done. You deserve what you've got. But Daniel, he's tracking differently. He sees it differently. He has this peace in a culture of chaos when people have done the most unjust things to him. Notice what the Bible says. Verse 2, the king, that's Nebuchadnezzar, called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers, and he demanded what they tell him, that they would tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I've had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. (laughs) Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, long live the king, tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. (laughs) But the king said to his astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it, uh, if you don't read my mind, talk about a lose-lose. Ever work for somebody like that? Ever been in a relationship with somebody? You should have known what I was thinking. You should have known how I was feeling. These guys are in deep weeds. He says, listen, if you don't tell me, I'm going to tear you apart limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I'll give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. Make this chaos go away. I I, want to be at calm again so I can be restful at night. They said again, verse 7, please, your majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. He doesn't know the dream. He's counting on them telling him the dream. It's the culture. The reason the culture is so much chaos is is, is our culture then and now doesn't know what they want. They keep pulling from here and pulling from there and saying, "If, if if you act like this or vote like that or do this or do that, somehow everything will be just, just much better. There's confusion. There's confusion then and there's confusion in the world and you and I live today. The king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I am serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you're doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me this dream, and then I'll know you can tell me what it means. The astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great, powerful, has ever had such a thing of any magician, enchanter, astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. The king gets upset. He's furious. And so he sends out the decree. All my wise men. Kill him. And Daniel and his three friends are included in this group. Look at verse 13. And because the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. 
When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel, watch this, watch this, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. We're trying to learn something. We're trying to have an understanding in a culture of chaos. When we don't understand what's going on, Daniel leaned in and he handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. I want that. I want that personally, and I want that for us. And so he asks Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. As Christ followers, we do need to be aware of what's happening in the culture. Decisions that are made in the culture affect your family. What's important is we are aware of it, but we're not consumed by it. And that's the balance that we try to strike. Unfortunately, it seems as though as Christ followers, we've moved from just being aware of it, we're totally consumed by it. We hear voices from one side or another side that if you don't vote this way, the whole world's going to come to an end. On the other side, they say the same exact thing, and we feel very consumed by all the negativity. Daniel was aware, but he wasn't consumed, and he had wisdom and discretion in how to handle the situation. Go back to your Bible, verse 17. Then Daniel went home, and he told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret. It's a good thing in life when you got some people that you're doing life with. When you got a friend that you can call. In our language, a small group of people that, that you are doing life with, that when you don't understand maybe what's happening in your world or at work or at home, you can, you can say, hey, would you join me in praying about this? And, and did you notice? Daniel goes to God first. I, I, I just wonder, maybe your life's like my life. A lot of times... When there's chaos, God can be one of the second, third, fourth, or last persons that I consult with. I Google it. I call a friend, right, a lifeline, whatever it might be. I try to find a solution. I want to try to fix it. Maybe I don't want to bother God with it. But Daniel understood that he's not bothering God by going to God. And so they go, they go to God and they ask God in heaven to Give them mercy and show them this secret. Look at verse 19. That night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And notice what Daniel did next. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. He said, praise the name of God forever and ever and ever. He has all the wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies, uh, what lies hidden in darkness, though he's surrounded by light. I thank and praise God, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and you revealed to us what the king has demanded. Don't you want that kind of relationship, right? You, you wake up and you're like, man, my God has showed up. 
Man, I, I talked to God about what my best next step was and should I keep dating this person or not date this person? Or I, I talked to God about my family or my business or I asked God, how do you want me to vote? Right, you, you decided in your life, I'm gonna go to God and I'm gonna make him the center and the point of my decisions. And then God shows up and he shows you and your heart gets filled with this praise. Like, oh, my God has showed up for me, right? That's what's happening in Daniel's life. Maybe the reason we don't have that kind of passion is because we're really not going to God and asking him for the direction, right? Could you imagine on a Sunday morning, like you wake up and all of the chaos that you've been through this past week, right? All the work issues, the political issues, the economy, your friends, all that stuff. But you went to your God and your God showed up and he, and he guided you. Man, I'm saying you're getting up on a Sunday morning and you're just like, oh, come on, everybody. We're going down to hope, man. We're going to gather with our friends and we're going to declare how awesome our God is. We're going to praise him. He has showed up in a remarkable way, right? And so you're driving, you're doing your best not to speed because you just can't wait to get with everybody, right? You, you park your car, you say hi to the welcome team as they're coming in, you're high-fiving, you come into the auditorium, right? You're just like, oh, there's the countdown, 10 Nine. Oh, I can't wait. Seven, the band starts to walk out. They're waiting. They're getting adjusted. You want to stand up and say, Corbin, just start singing. I got to be praising God. He's so good in my life. Oh, my. <laughs> now, I realize on Sunday mornings, it's hard for some people to celebrate, especially the Alabama fans. So sorry, we realize you think Jesus is coming back because your team has lost two games in one season. Oh my goodness. Welcome to the rest of our lives. <laughs> but hear me, Daniel's praise and worship is not dependent on how cool or slick or how skinny the jeans are on the praise worship leader. <laughs> the light show the drummer, the beat. There's something deep down inside of Daniel because he was in deep weeds and he went to his God and his God answered him. And he's standing and saying, oh my goodness, I praise you, God, the God of my ancestors, the God who is the God who was. You are the great and true and living God. I just want you to know something. If you want your sense of calmness to go a whole nother level, start praising God. Start seeing Focus on what he's doing in and through your life. That, that's what Daniel's doing. And by the way, can I just keep it real this morning? Last time I checked, no matter how crazy the United States government is, ain't no one been castrated yet. That happened to Daniel. And his depth of who God is in his life when the whole culture is chaotic is at a level I don't want to just read about. I want to live in 2022. So go back to your Bible, look at verse 24. Then Daniel went to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute these wise men of Babylon. Daniel says to him, don't kill the wise men. Take me to the king and I'll tell him the meaning of his dream. <laughs> no, I, love, I love the humor in the scriptures. 
Ariok quickly took Daniel to the king. <laughs> Makes sense, right? We ain't gonna die. Oh, this is so good. Somebody knows we ain't gonna die. I found that one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. The king says to Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, is this true? Now, we can't miss this from the Bible study. I want you to think right now of the most disgusting, humiliating word that someone could call you. Maybe it's a word about your gender. Maybe it's a word about your skin color. I want you to get a word in your mind. What's that one word that would set you off if someone said, you, you got your word? That's what's going on here. He says to Dan, Daniel is his Hebrew name. God is my judge. I trust in the true and living God. I'm, I'm, I'm for my God. And immediately he insults him by saying Belshazzar. Lady, save the king. When someone would call you that name, what would your next response be? Would you continue in sharing what that person needed from you? Or would you cross your arms and say, you know, that's how you're looking at it? Fine. Tell me how your good night's sleep is tonight when you don't know what's happening with your dreams. That's how you're going to treat me? That's how you're going to, that's what you're going to, okay, fine. Again, Daniel models something different for us. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Something's different going on. Notice what happens. Is it true can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret except for the true and living God. And he goes on to explain to the king what his dream was. And the meaning of that dream. And notice the king's response. And may I suggest this is as Christ followers, as parents, as grandparents, as business owners, as employees, as coaches, as athletes, as students, as teachers. This is the response that we're hoping happens to those around us. The king says to Daniel, truly, your God is the greatest of gods. The Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal the secret. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, caregivers, isn't that the goal? Is to live our lives in such a way that our children come to a conclusion and would look you in the eyes and say, Dad, truly what you've told me about Jesus he is God's son. He is taking away my sins. He is my savior. Is there anything greater than a parent or a grandparent? This is, this is who we are. This is our mission. The only reason that God started a place called Church of Hope is to live day by day, to partner with people, to discover. Daniel is partnering with Nebuchadnezzar to discover. 
all the evil, all the chaos that Nebuchadnezzar has done to Daniel, Daniel is still partnering with Nebuchadnezzar for the singular purpose for Nebuchadnezzar to discover and how he does. Truly, your God is the greatest of gods. We live, we walk, and we talk. Our lives are bigger than just the American dream. We live so that this world becomes better. We live so this world becomes brighter. That's what it means. That's why God's left us. Listen, if God loves you, and you believe he does, if God loves you and the sole purpose of your life is to get saved so that when you die, you go to heaven, and you now are saved, you believe that you would go to heaven, then he's a cruel God if he's left you here because there's a lot of chaos going on in this world. He should save you, kill you, take you to heaven. So you ask the question, why has he kept me here? Like Daniel, in a culture of chaos, that we have a sense of calmness, a peace that passes all understanding, in a culture of chaos, the chaos in 2022 isn't new. We live at calm in the storm so that men and women, boys and girls will discover the hope that they're looking for is not in a midterm election. It's not because one official becomes in office and another official is kicked out of office. Listen, do your part. Be a citizen. Pray and ask God to guide you in who and how you should vote. But then you come to a place like Daniel that regardless of the results of an election on a Tuesday, who your God is on Wednesday has not changed. And you can be at calm no matter how chaotic the culture might become. So before we go home, I'd like to give you three things to focus on and perhaps a little bit of strategy and how to do that focus. Okay, you ready? So you got your number two pencil. These, these principles are interchangeable. They're, they're good for a Sunday morning. They're also good for a Monday morning. I would say to all business owners and managers, listen, the chaos that we have in culture, it shows up on Monday. And so having these principles will help you lead at work to all employees in the house. How you show up and have an ability to focus amidst all of the chaos in business supply and materials that's happening in our culture is going to promote you. To the coaches in the house, how you keep athletes focused. To the parents in the house, how you help your children stay focused. The Bible is the greatest leadership book that's ever been given. That's why we can't just sit and hear a sermon on Sunday. We gotta make a decision that we're gonna live out God's word Monday through Saturday. So I hope you get a pencil out because your memory ain't that good. You ready? A couple thoughts. Number one, focus on. Number one, focus on what God is doing in you, not what's going on around you. Focus on what God is doing inside of me, how he's trying to grow me, that adversity, that discomfort, Acknowledge it. Acknowledge whatever emotion validates your emotions, but we value that God is alive, God's at work. Daniel, 
validated how he felt. But he didn't stay stuck there. He, he didn't go on and have a wine session with some cheese about why life's not fair and I can't believe that God would let this happen to me. He validated how he felt, but then he valued how he thought that God is still in control. You got to focus on who God is more than what's happening around you. What you focus on, you get more of. What you magnify, you get more of. You focus on the chaos, it's why more chaos comes into you. You focus on the calm that we have in Christ. Here's the second thing you want to write it down. This is hard for a lot of us. I know it's hard for me. I actually didn't want to uh, bring this this morning, and maybe it's just for me, uh, but here's the, here's the thought. Focus on following Christ, not fixing culture. Focus on following Christ, not fixing the culture. It's easy for us, right, as leaders. We, we, we see something happening in the culture, and we want to fix it. We, we want to identify the problem. We want to develop a strategic plan and a system. And, and, and we put our energy in trying to fix it rather than as Christ followers understanding our responsibility first and foremost is to follow after Christ. Daniel isn't trying to fix all the wrongs that were done to them. Even when he's being insulted, he doesn't stop and say, excuse me, excuse me. My name is Daniel, not Belshazzar. Take it back. Don't say that ever again. I won't tell you the meaning of your dream if you don't say Daniel. I want to hear it. Say Daniel. Not, don't say it that way. You did not have. Anybody who thinks our culture is getting fixed on Tuesday. That doesn't mean we become apathetic. It doesn't mean that we don't become involved. But our source and our strength and the solution isn't in the culture. The culture by definition, is chaotic. Apart from Christ, culture will continue to be filled with chaos. It's an American myth that thinks that somehow our American way can eliminate the chaos from our everyday life. Only Jesus. Peace has never been the absence of problems. Peace has always been the presence of God in our life. We've got to release this tension that we're going to fix it. All right, so focus. Got to focus this week. I'm going to focus on what God's doing in me. And the way to focus on that is you got to spend some time with him. Hang out, talk, read this book. L let me ask you, don't, please don't answer out loud. Whatever the success is that you want in your life, your marriage, your finances, with your kids, with your parents, with the election, you fill in the blank. Whatever it is that you want, if the results of what you want, you desire, was dependent on how much time you spent with God this week, how likely are you to have that kind of success? I'm not saying this to beat anybody up. I'm for you. I'm for all of us. 
I'm just saying, if you're like me, it's real easy to say, ah, I'll get back to God tomorrow. I'll check him out later today. And then later today becomes tonight and then becomes tomorrow morning. I know I should talk to him about this, but it's not like God knocks on your door and says, hi, it's God. You didn't read your Bible today. Shame on you. Time out chair for you. Although some of us wouldn't mind a timeout chair, right? <laughs> You're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> right, right, right. Don't return a text or an email from a client, a boss, or somebody. You're going to hear about it, right? There are a lot of us. We've been ghosting God for a long time in the text world. God be texting us, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, okay. I'll get back to you. It's way down in the feed. Focus on what God's doing in you. Focus on following after Christ. Here's the third thing if you want to write it down is this. This is hard, but focus on now, not then and when. You know, a lot of our nows is painful. You, you, your now as a marriage, it isn't so good. And so the idea is, when I get a better spouse, then I'll be more happy. Focus on the now. Daniel focused on the now. He, 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 I'll focus on God when I get to go back to my family in Israel. Then me and God will be good again. Daniel focuses on the now. I, I, I'll, I'll focus on God when the economy begins to settle down, the gas prices get back. Then I'll focus on God when those guys are no longer in power and my God, then I. We have this tendency, we miss now. It's the greatest tragedy in humanity. Can anybody go back and relive yesterday? Does anybody have complete assurance you own tomorrow? The only day that we have is today, now. And Daniel understands the power of now. We miss so much of life playing this game. When I get, then I will. When this happens, then we will. There's a story, I, I don't know that it's true. I've read it, I even saw it on TikTok, so I guess if it's on TikTok, <laughs> the Chinese are trying to but it's a story of a, it's actually a sad story of a girl who was blind. She wasn't born blind, but had an accident in elementary school and lost her eyesight. And she was really bitter, very angry. She happened to have a boyfriend. She's now in her early 20s. And that was the best thing in her life. But everything else... I mean, bitter, angry. Her attitude was so sour. She was just mad. And this young man actually loved her, cared for her, was good to her, and proposed to her. But she was so bitter, she said, I couldn't marry you. If I could see, then I would marry you. But because I'm blind, I can't marry you. As time went on and research and development, a new procedure that if someone had donated eyes, they would be able to reverse her blindness. 
So she met with her doctor and put her name on the waiting list, as so many people do, waiting for some type of organ transplant. And she got that phone call that everybody hopes for one day, that there was a transplant, and she needed to go to the hospital. And the surgeons meticulously did the surgery, and sure enough, she gained her eyesight. It was far from 2020, still almost legally blind, but she was able to now see colors. And as her eyes were healing, her boyfriend came in and proposed, because remember, when she was blind, she said she wouldn't marry him, but she said, when I can see, then I'll say yes. As he came in to propose to her, she noticed that he too was blind. And so now her discouragement in her own mind is thinking, I don't want to marry somebody who's blind. I, I hated being blind. And, and so she rejected the proposal. She broke up with him. About a month later, she received a card from her former boyfriend. And he said, no matter what, I want you to know, I will love you the rest of my life. Please take good care of my eyes. And signed his name. See, she was so convinced that when and then would make a better life for her. And so many of us are convinced that we would get to when and then, when I have this, then I'll have that, that somehow... The reason today is called the present is because it is a present. It is the opportunity for you and I to lean into this space and to focus on this day, to focus on the now, not then and when. That's what Daniel, Daniel is focusing in the most chaotic of moments on his presence. So how do we do it? I know we want to. We want to focus on what God's doing in us, right? We, we want to have this sense of calmness, the question always is, how? I know that's what I want, but Mark, how do I do it? A couple ideas to write them down. I'm going to start with the most spiritual principle. Are you ready? With your number two pencil, here's how you do it. Number one, take a nap and drink more water. All the medical research is out there. You can Google it. My, my job today is not to try to convince you. Call your doctor. If you want to decrease your medical bill and you want to begin to have some clarity in your mind, Take a nap. I, I know this personally. I was that arrogant guy that would show up at the office and brag how little sleep I had last night. I, I thought I was tough and large, and I'm a United States Marine, and I get up at 4 o'clock, and I stay up to midnight, and I just want everybody to know that I'm, 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 I'm a mover and shaker in this thing called life. And by the ways, my goodness, there's a dying world out there, and if they don't meet Jesus, they're going to go to hell. I'll sleep and take a nap when I get to heaven, but for now, I'm winning the world to Jesus. Hashtag arrogance. It took 2019 when my body began to deteriorate, did not know what was going on, had to have some medical tests, ultimately to find on. My adrenals were just stuck on. I mean, I just... Stuck on cortisol. Never ever be able to get out of fight or flight. 
And I know what some of you are thinking, yeah, but Mark, wait a second, we came to church. It's church. Don't talk about naps at church. If I want to know about health and wellness, I'll go to a health and wellness. You're supposed to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tell me what the Bible has to say. I don't want to hear your opinion about health and what. So glad that you've held me accountable. Mark chapter 6 and verse 31. The words of Jesus. Then, because so many people were coming and going, in our language, because you were receiving so many texts and so many emails, so many mixed messages on social media and on the news, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, Jesus says to you, Jesus says to me, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Turn your phone off. Shut the lid to your MacBook and get alone with Jesus. The only reason you're tired this morning, I love you, I'm for you. No, nobody's a more hard charger than me in this gathering. I mean, from being an athlete to being a Marine, I'm telling you, the reason I was tired, because of my own arrogance. Everybody in this room, everybody watching online can turn the television off, put the cell phone down, and go to bed. Take a nap. Let the rejuvenation of sleep. Last time I checked, none of us have the business card with the title God on it. And God himself rested. This is good news. You should smile. You've been wanting to take a nap. Take a nap. All right? Second thing, drink more water. They'll put a slide on the back screen. You can Google. You can talk. The bottom line is we just don't drink enough water. The fog that's in your brain right now really is dehydration. The reason we're not able to focus is because all that sugar and all that caffeine does not make you a better. They call it five our energy. That's not creating focus in you. Rather, it's the water, the water that God has given to us, our brains. When we are hydrated, we have the ability to focus. I find it interesting. I realize it's in a spiritual context, but the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and the very last chapter in the book of the Bible, Revelation 22, starts with verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and to the Lamb. Verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty Come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of water of life. Spiritually, when you're parched and you're thirsty and you open up and you let the river of life of Jesus hydrate you, life goes to a whole nother level. I believe just as much as that's true spiritually, it's true physically. When you drink water, it gives you refreshment and energy in your life to focus. Number two, write it down. Determine, talking about focus. How do you focus? One, you just got to get, you got to get healthy physically. Take a nap, drink some water. That's going to increase your focus. Number two, determine why 
who is important and what is important in your life. What, all this time that you're giving to this newscaster, this publication, this hobby, wh- whatever it is, you determine why is this important? Why is she important? Why is he important? Why is that important in my life? The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. I think for a lot of us, right, we've got one foot in, okay, I know God and Jesus and I'm a Christian and I get all that kind of stuff, so I know that's important, but then we got our other foot in the culture, and so we're trying to kind of live the American way and live the Jesus way and live the American way and live the Jesus way. No wonder we're confused. It's unstable. At some point, you got to decide in your mind who is most important, why they are most important. Value follows time. Show me your calendar and how you spend your time, and you will tell me who is important in your life, what is important in your life. Joshua penned it this way, when the culture of chaos was pressing in on him, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. I say that, I I love you, you're my friends, we're going to do life together forever. You just got to decide who's going to be first in your life. Who's most important? That's all Joshua. He's not beating anybody up. He's not guilting. He's just saying, listen, you choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Hey, my name is Mark. I'm for us. I'm on the same dusty trail, all the pressure points, same as you. I just wonder, is it possible maybe, perhaps, all the chaos that's in our culture today, all the problems, all the issues, is it possible the reason it's in our culture is because we have more screen time than Savior time? Instead of blaming all of the entities out there, instead of blaming and complaining and defending and talking about how crazy the culture is, The culture's always been crazy. And may I suggest the book of Daniel, the culture that Daniel's living in is 10x more crazy than the culture we're living in. What might happen in your life, my life, our lives if we would spend more time with the Savior than we would be on the screens? Just a thought from a guy named Mark. Galatians 2 and 20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. You've got to decide. If I'm, a, if I'm a follower of Jesus, then I have been crucified. My ways, my thoughts, my opinions, they, they are dead. I am now focused on who Jesus Christ is. You understand, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a cocktail. It's not a mixed drink. One part Americana, one part Constitution, one part good Southern morals, and one part Jesus. That's not following Jesus. Jesus Christ alone, 
Nothing added, nothing subtracted. It's in Christ alone that we have hope in this life and hope in eternal life. It's in Christ alone that my feet have been put on a solid rock. It's in Christ alone that I have mercy. It's in Christ alone that I have grace. It's Christ alone that gives us, you just gotta decide. You can keep living how you want and all this chaos and this double-mindedness, it'll continue. But if you want to have the calmness that Daniel had in a culture of chaos, decide in Christ alone. Here's the last thing, write down, is you got to remove the distractions. There's just some things you got to say, you got to say no to. And the hardest no is to things that are good so you can say yes to what is best. You got to starve your distractions and feed your focus. And I know it's hard. There's so many choices. I, I prefer going to a restaurant. When, you know what? You know one of the best things about Chick-fil-A? Like, I, I don't think the sandwich is all that good. I, I mean, I'm just telling you. It, it's a piece of chicken. It's one pickle and a white enriched bun. It's really not that great. So sorry. But you know what, you know what, the, you know what the secret about Chick-fil-A is? It's, no, it's not even the sauce. The sauce is a part of the problem. The best thing about Chick-fil-A is this. There's one thing on the menu, chicken. That's the brilliance. I ain't got to think about it and all the choices. You go to some of these really good restaurants and they give you this menu that's 45 pages long. Oh my goodness. It's just a distraction, right? It's, it's, it's focus. We've got to focus. We've got to remove the distractions, Right? And what I have found, the biggest distraction in my life, I, I, as a pastor, I'd love to say, well, it's the cantankerous, or I used to say it like this, um, EGR. Do you know what EGR stands for? I used to say, my problems are EGR people. Do you know what EGR people are? Extra grace required. The reason I can't focus because look at this, or I would blame Linda, right? It's all Linda, right? I can't focus, or my children, or my dad, or my mom, right? You know what I have found that the biggest distraction that I need to remove from my life? You ready for this? My ego. It's me. I've said it to you before. If I could kick the person in the seat of the pants who gives me the most problems, I wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. It's me. I have a tendency to edge God out of my life because I'll fix it, I'll I'll control it rather than being like Daniel. I can't control this and I'm not gonna try to fix it. I'm gonna lean in and I'm gonna trust that God is still in control And I'm going to focus on him, and I'm going to believe that however, whenever God decides, it will be be good. I don't understand it. It's hurt. I'm limping a little bit. I validate how I feel, but then I pivot in my thinking, and I say, I will still focus on God. I will not edge him out of my life.